Craig Hoffman with you for overtime. Little change in our rundown. If you're looking forward to Chase Hughes coming up at 7.30, don't worry. Chase is still on. We're just going to have him on at 8.30 tonight. So a little whiz talk to round out the show. We go till 9. Damon Mendelar at the top of the next hour. This segment brought to you by the Reynolds team. Thinking of selling your home, the Reynolds team COVID-19 seller relief program will help you sell faster for the most money and you pay zero commission because the buyer pays it all. Call the Reynolds team, 844-654-SOLD or debbiehasthebuyers.com. Joining us now on the BetQL guest line, Sam Fortier of the Washington Post, Washington football beat reporter for that fine premium news outlet. Uh, Sam, I feel like every interview that I've done the past couple of weeks when we've had you know guests on the pregame show, uh, whether it's you or anybody else on this show, it's been like, all right, where are you at on Heineke? So I'm actually going to start somewhere else, which is, do you think he is actually the most interesting or intriguing talking point around this team if we're sticking to just the football operation, ignoring all of the Bruce Allen emails, et cetera, et cetera, DEA investigations going on on the outside, which I realize as I say it out loud is a fairly large caveat. <laughs> Dude, I had my robotic analysis of Heineke ready to go, so you're Hi, forcing I me to pitch here. <laughs> uh, I mean, is he the most interesting part of this team? I don't think so because to me, you know, even though he's, he's struggled the last couple weeks, you know, he's probably still a fine NFL backup whenever you do get that franchise quarterback. I'm sure Ron in this front office hopes that's next offseason. But to me, I'm more interested in, in a lot of other things. I think specifically the idea that they are building this team uh, up to, to find that franchise quarterback so, okay, the receivers, the tight ends, especially because, every, you know, so many people are so hurt, what are the backups able to do? Uh, you saw that particularly in the offensive line in the second half, uh, you know, on Sunday. But, but also, can this defense figure it out? I mean, William Jackson hasn't been on the field, but, but can he transition to this scheme? You know, can he, you know, fit in? You know, Landon Collins in this new role. I think, can the defense get back to even close to where it was last season? That, to me, is the most interesting and followed by everything else. So I actually agree with you, and Heineke is a part of this, but the personnel department to me is the most fascinating thing. I mean, from the decision, like the decision to cut Hopkins, fine, I understand it. The decision to sign Blewett to me is indefensible. You know, when you look at, you know, their quarterback option sticking with two guys that they know, Jackson doesn't really fit the scheme. You know, Jamin Davis, I, I know he's getting better week by week, but what do you really draft a guy at 19 who needs this much time? That That's the kind of profile you typically have as a second round type of pick. Like where, where's your confidence level in this personnel department? And what, and, and I'll add this to your answer here. If you, if you can, what do you make of the makeup of it, of a bunch of guys who were been with Ron for a long time and a lack of differing opinions? Well, I think that that was kind of the idea when you bring in Martin Mayhew. Obviously, you bring in Marty Hernick, who's you know was with him twice in Carolina, and you know, and, and Chris Polian. You bring him in, you know, because those are outside voices. And Ron preached experience, experience, experience. Last year, obviously, that they hit on a lot of picks. You know, Cam Curl, Chase Young was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, but even the additions they brought in, I thought, hit this year has certainly been. Um, much worse with the caveat that it's only been eight games and they could figure it out in the second half and, you know, uh, yada, yada. But obviously, like you said, I mean, this personnel department certainly has, has not given them uh, the results. And obviously, you know, two of their big signings as well, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel, ha have been on the field for probably a combined 20-something snaps. Um, 
So, you know, all of that said, this, this team is obviously disappointed so far. Um, and, and the other part of the question, which I'm pretty sure was about the defense, is what is my confidence? Uh, I would say it, it's tough to say because, I mean, the defense played sort of well on Sunday. They, they've been playing well, especially in the first half against the Chiefs. You know, I think throughout against the Packers, if, if Antonio Gibson doesn't fumble, uh, they're deep in their own territory. They're, they're probably giving up 17 points, which against Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. Uh, I think the defensive line is figuring it out. Obviously, Jamin Davis is a long way to go, and he'll get that time in the next nine games. Um, but I would say the personnel department, uh, the jury is still out on, uh, though the early returns have not looked great. The defense, my confidence is, is I would say, pedestrian right now because uh, I, I do wonder if Jack Del Rio is getting the most out of his unit. Sam Fortier of the Washington Post with us here on Overtime on the Fan. All right, let's do the quarterback thing. Would you stick with with Heineke, or would you look at making a switch to Kyle Allen, or would you wait it out and uh, potentially go to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, if you're in charge, what's your quarterback plan? What changes if you go to Kyle Allen? To be honest, I, I think that you get you might move the ball less, but some of the turnover, like situational awareness stuff that's driven me bonkers with Heineke, I just spent like 10 minutes on it in the segment before you were on, which I, I didn't expect you to listen to, so I, you wouldn't know that. Uh, but like the, the situational awareness stuff where they've been terrible on fourth down, which I know isn't all on the quarterback, but you look at like the fourth and three to Seals Jones where he's throwing a two-yard out, like let's, let's not do that. And then the red zone stuff where he's been terrible. Like, I think that stuff gets better and you get a more consistent offense over time versus the, you know, sometimes it's great, move the ball, but can't actually produce points. That, that would be my thing. I don't know if it's the level that you win, but that would be, that would be my Kyle Allen argument. Yeah, to me, Kyle, yes, Taylor Heineke seems to be kind of in his head right now where, you know, he was great running the ball against uh, Green Bay, obviously, except getting into the end zone, uh, and then he didn't do it at all against the Denver defense that I think that there were opportunities there for. The the fourth and one where where the sprint rollout to to Seals-Jones, that to me was was more a play-calling issue and and more of a a Ricky Seals-Jones not getting past the first down marker issue than, than Heineke. I think when you have that sprint rollout, you, you're kind of limiting your options anyway. And, and so that's a, a different point of discussion. I don't think Taylor Heineke has been great, but I do think when he is at his best, which obviously has not been all the time, and particularly in situational awareness, like you said, but I still think he gives you a higher ceiling than Kyle Allen because he can scramble. Uh, and and I, just, I just don't imagine what changes if you bring that other guy in. If Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back and is healthy, which as we know, he's got an MRI next week. That's a totally different discussion. But as of right now, when you're looking at the quarterbacks on the roster, people can be upset about Taylor Heineke, but I just don't know what that really changes. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And at some point, this is a devil's advocate argument. I, w- I would say the other devil's advocate argument, and you know, I, I, I read you know Scott Turner's stuff every week. He's also a smart guy in terms of media stuff. He's been around the NFL a long time. He's not going to spill the beans. But I do wonder how much of their playbook is limited right now where they don't trust Heineke to make the right decisions in certain situations. And could you lose some of the scrambling and off-schedule stuff that Heineke seems every other week to want to do or not want to do? Or not, I don't say want to do, but that prescribes like he's just taking it on purpose, which obviously he's not. Uh, feels comfortable, sees the opportunities to do, some weeks doesn't. Where Kyle Allen, maybe you have the entire on schedule playbook available and that could open up some things for guys like McLaren and some of these other receivers uh, who who have fluctuated a lot more than Terry who outside of this past weekend was have been has been really consistent 
Yeah, to me, I think the thing that people don't talk about enough, and, and obviously those things are a problem with Heineke too, right? Like the, the off-schedule stuff, uh, the situational awareness. But, but to me, the thing that we aren't talking about is his inability to hit the deep ball. This, I think, starts, or, or really it, it highlighted itself against the Chiefs when Terry McLaurin, there were two or three passes where they beat the cloud coverage, the throw was there, and he overthrew him, or he threw it behind him. And to me, it's been this, that's been the story of the last three or four weeks because they've had shots. They've had chances to stretch the field against teams. Uh, I think because they haven't been doing it, and defenses seem to be playing them you know, a little bit more conservatively, they, they, Heineke, I think is I want to say four of his last 16 or 17 on throws beyond 20 air yards. And, and to me, uh, when you have Terry McLaurin and he's out there kind of battling himself, battling extra attention because you don't have Curtis Samuel, you don't have Deami Brown, you don't have Logan Thomas, like you've got to be able to stretch the field to, to make those underneath throws that they like so much a little bit more effective. When you have to check down to J.D. McKissick, let him get a few extra yards because those linebackers are, or you know, the secondary, whoever is on him, has to respect the deep ball a little more. So that, to me, I know Taylor Heineke is not the strongest arm guy, but he should be able to make throws over 20 air yards. And, and right now, I believe he's seventh or eighth lowest in terms of completion percentage there uh, league-wide. Yeah, and I would love to see him get to some of those checkdowns quicker with more velocity, too. He just tends to kind of dump those off nice and soft sometimes, and if you get that extra half step for a guy like McKissick, he can make those plays upfield. The the other place, though, that I think it's it's only fair to frame this entire conversation through this this lens. The injuries right now are severe, uh, and when by the end of that game, you know, like the sack he takes on the third down, the guys are on top of him instantly. He's got four backup linemen in front of him. What, you know, is Sheriff the most important guy that's currently hurt? Like, which of these injuries can make a real difference and take a guy in Heineke, who I think, you know, despite the the nitpicking we're doing here in the analysis, we both agree is a backline starter, top end backup level quarterback. But those guys surrounded by more talent are obviously better. So, which of these guys get back and change the equation for this offense? I actually think the most significant injury on their offensive line, you know, we found out today center chase really is going to be out for the rest of the year with a left fibula fracture. And he, to him to me is, is the most important piece of that entire offensive line, not just because I wrote about him recently, but because <laughs> I mean, he IDs, he IDs the whole defense. I mean, Scott Turner talked in his press conference last week about how important chase really has been to, you know, maximizing the quarterback carousel that, that this team has had. Obviously, um, you know, Taylor and Alex Smith are both smart guys, but, um, but when, he's t- when you talk about consistency, when you talk about setting the line, when you talk about taking some things off the quarterback's plate, Chase Rullier has really been, you know, an impressive, that's, that's kind of his calling card, right? Like he's not the biggest, strongest, uh, most physical guy, but, but he's really smart and he can get the offensive line where it needs to be. So when we talked about the offensive line looking a lot better this year, I think, I think he was an important part of it. I think Brandon Sheriff is, is certainly important as well, but um, I would even put maybe Sam Cosme, the right tackle above him in terms of importance, not necessarily for, for right now, but, uh, I mean, his development going forward is, is key for you because you, he's going to be here next year. You don't know that about Sheriff. That's also true. Uh, Sam Fortier, you can read his work about Chase Rouillet or the updates on Chase Rouillet uh, at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Uh, he's nice enough to join us uh, with somewhat some regularity here on Overtime as well. Basically, when I ask him, he's like, yeah, what time? And then, and then you're here and you're talking football on the radio. Sam, always appreciate it. Uh, always enjoy your chats and uh Enjoy your bye week. Are you doing anything fun? 
<laughs> uh, trying to trying to stay on top of whatever this team is going to do, and, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll see some friends. No, I mean, I, not really, man. I mean, this, this team doesn't uh, doesn't really allow you to take days off. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I remember it all too well. So you have as much fun with that as possible, and I'm going to yap here on the radio. Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I'll talk to you soon. Sam Fortier on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Uh, the Gambit DC listener lines, they work too. 800-636-1067. You can see one thing. You, you get to highlight. Like This is what I want to see. Second half of this Washington football season starting two weeks against Tampa Bay. What is it? 800-636-1067. What's the one thing you want to see? Your calls next on The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan, thefandc.com, the Odyssey app. You missed anything from earlier today. We're still within 24 hours, so if you want to rewind all the way back to the Sports Junkies this morning, 8.20, you can listen to Ron Rivera, where he is each and every week. Uh, we'll have Damon Mandelara coming up at 8 o'clock. Chase Hughes at 8.30. Uh, but I asked, and you answer, at 800-636-1067. What's the one thing? Try to try to have some sense of positivity. Like, it's real easy right now just to, to keep banging on this team. This team, of course, being the Washington football team. Because they give us so much material. It seems like every single day, there's something new. And, it, you know... I say that, and then I'm going to open Twitter, and there's going to be something new, something tonight, something tomorrow. They're on a bye week. They'll be on the Sunday shows, on, on Countdown or Fox NFL Sunday or whatever. There'll be one of the Jay Glazers or Adam Schefters or Chris Mortensen will have something. But for now, we'll try to be positive. You got to see one thing before the end of the year to feel good about going into next year. Not to not to push everything into next year already. But realistically, two and six isn't very good. So, we'll take it for what it is. Understand. And look, that thing might be, I want to see as many losses as possible so you can get the number one pick. Okay. Well, that's where you're at then. That's where you're at. But what is it that you want to see moving forward to make you feel good about the direction of the franchise specific to the football operation overall? Donald, my producer tonight, uh, I know you have one in a, in a second. I'm going to just go with a simple one to start. I want to see Jamin Davis have a couple of really nice games. The kind of games where you go, okay, you want to know what? Fight for me, speaking for myself, I was wrong. That dude was worth a first-round pick. Yeah, you wish it would have come sooner, but that's a playmaker. That's a guy that's going to get a couple of interceptions every year. That's a guy that's going to force fumbles. That's a guy that's going to get tackles for losses. And just as importantly, down in, down out, stud, consistency. Week in, week out, making tackles, filling the right gaps. See him out there pointing guys all over the place. He's calling the defense that he is actually the middle linebacker you can build around for the future behind that D-line that you've already invested so much in. If we see that, 
Which, by the way, a guy like Landon Collins playing this new linebacker role should help. Cole Holcomb is continually playing really well. And, and so you, you got some pieces around him now that could help him play a little bit better. Let's see it. That's what I want to see by the end of the year. Donald, do you got one? Yes, sir, I do. I do. Sorry, we're uh, screening some calls here, getting some people here on the line. But, oh, uh, awesome. But, yeah, but no, definitely. Uh, for me overall, I just want to see um, – we were kind of alluding to it before when we played the Ron Rivera sound um, – just better decision in the uh, red zone. I just, you know, you kind of alluded to it earlier, just the the misthrows, overthrows, and just not overall smart decision-making in the red zone. So even if it's not necessarily us, you know, winning games and, you know, obviously we are what we are uh, record-wise at this point, I just want to see some promise, um, you know, in better decision-making trying to uh, make conversions in the red zone overall. That works. I like that. Like, I want to see, because I'll tell you what, Donald, that tells me. That tells me that this coaching staff is breaking through. Because it's not like, of course. Like, coaching is not like coaching want to. Taylor Heineke wants to make good decisions in the red zone. But it's setting him up to understand how to make good decisions. It's setting him up to understand that when you break the huddle on third and seven or third and goal at the seven yard line. What is it that you really need to be cognizant of that's different than when you break the huddle on first and 10 at your own 25? Like the, the places that you miss, and, and this is something that I think I understood more and more as I went as a beat reporter for the five years that I did that job is the kind of mistakes you make and really more accurately, the kind of misses you have in the NFL define your success far more than how you succeed. Like, of course you have to succeed at a set percentage, blah, 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 blah. But if when you miss, you throw the ball out of bounds when you're supposed to, or you make sure that that screen that gets blown up, you live to see another down. It's in the dirt. You don't go, ah, and throw it over a guy's head right into the arms of a waiting defensive lineman. Mitigating the catastrophic mistakes is what helps you, especially at quarterback in this league. And so if the coaching staff, Scott Turner and the quarterback's coach and, and you know even some of the receivers' coaches and, and Randy Jordan is the running back's coach and, and obviously Ron as the head coach can get through to these guys the kinds of things that you need to understand to play smart situational football – that gives me systematic hope for the future. Let's go to Tyler and Manassas. Or sorry, Kyle and Manassas, 800-636-1067. Kyle, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. It, this is actually Hyman from Manassas. How you been? I'm good, man. Sorry about that. Misread the, uh, hey, misread um, the screen there. The, the only thing that will get me excited for next season is that if the organization, Ron Rivera, the three GMs that we have, and they are targeting a quarterback. They know that we need to fix that position, and we head into the next season with this finally the solution at that position. Nothing else, to be honest with you, matters to me anymore. Uh, we always struggling with the quarterback position. We all always underperforming. Every single year we go to a new season, and we're thinking that we're going to be much better than the last one, and we still 
have that problem in the in the biggest position, the most important position in sports, and more like the NFL is right now. So we need to fix that position. The only thing that will get me hopes for next season if we are dedicated to fix that problem. Thanks for the call, man. I mean, that is the organizational question. The problem is, I don't know how they're going to do that this season. Because, And this is kind of the, the rock and a hard place there between right now is... Like, Heineke's not that guy. He's not a franchise guy. Is he a guy you can win some games with? Yeah. Is he a guy that you love to have as a backup? Especially because of his style, where he can come in, things can be going crazy, he'll come in, be calm, but create some organized chaos, some chaos that he's in control of. At least in short stints, love that. But I don't know how you get any closer outside of losing games if you if you want to hire a draft pick either to trade to someone or to take a quarterback in the draft I don't know how you get closer in the season to solving that problem 800-636-1067 more of your calls what do you want to see in the second half of the Washington football season to give you hope that they can get this train righted for next year heading in the right direction 800-636-1067 craig hoffman with you taking your calls next on the fan craig hoffman with you on 1067 the fan and the fan dc.com the odyssey app your home for all of our shows but also all of our podcasts and all of our odyssey stations nationwide you want to check in what's going on in New York, what's going on in Philly, what's going on in Dallas, what's going on in, how we play in a couple weeks, Tampa, go check out the local sports talk radio there. Do it on the Odyssey app. Or keep listening to me. Uh, right now, the Gambit DC listener lines are open at 800-636-1067. TJ is listening, perhaps on the app out in West Virginia. TJ, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, what is your number one thing that you are looking forward to to feel optimism going into next season in the second half of this season? Roger that. Uh, I just want to look, uh, as far as optimism, I want to look for like you know minor, minor victories on – how they're coaching some of the guys, like what you were saying about Javon Davis, you know, uh, Landon Collins can keep playing pretty good as a linebacker. He's a horrible safety, but he seems like he's a pretty above average linebacker. Um, coming back to the quarterback position with the optimism and everything, uh, the Buffalo Bills have a really, really talented roster, uh, and you need a complete football team. I've always been a big believer on that. But one thing I was thinking about, you know, if we had just, if you just switch out Josh Allen and Tyler Haneke, you put Haneke or Kyle Allen on the Bills, and you, same exact roster, same schedule, you just put Josh Allen on our team, even with how much better the Bills roster is, just with that alone, we probably are like five and two, just because of how much a difference like a great quarterback makes. It's, it's amazing, you know? Aaron Rodgers, I mean, everybody kind of knows that. So then what we need to do to try to find that, in my opinion, uh, there's no guarantee we're going to pick high enough next year to draft like a really elite quarterback. And I'm so ignorant on the college quarterbacks. I have no idea if like Spencer Rattler is that good. Is he like a prospect, like some of these recent guys, or if he's just decent, like a Daniel Jones, I have no idea. Right. And then we don't want to do, you know, people like Matt Ryan, they're good to go to like a team like the Patriots that can like maybe get in the playoffs. 
Uh, we would be kind of just uh, treading water by picking up a Matt Ryan. He would get us to like eight and nine. What's the point of that, right? So what I'm wondering is if we can be creative and look at all the 32 teams right now and try to pick off a young quarterback that another team is down on has potential. Something similar to what the Panthers did by taking um, Sam Darnold, who I'm high on. You know, the first month in the season, everyone's looking at Darnold like he's incredible. Now they're souring on him. He's neither as good as he was the first month or as bad as he is now, but I think he's going to be a decent quarterback. So I don't even know if that's viable, but if there's one, you know, one of these 32 teams, if they have a young guy that they're sort of souring on that has some talent, maybe that, that's an option. Um, that would be one thing to do because it's, you know, it's such a – it's so difficult to find a franchise quarterback – for and that's sure. really what everything comes around. And the year that the Daniel Jones and Haskins was Daniel Jones the first. I mean, that might be the worst quarterback class ever. Like Haskins was not the guy, and we forced it. We shouldn't force it as much as we need a quarterback. I know I'm kind of rambling, but you know. Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up some really interesting points, man. And by the way, I do think that Daniel, if I'm remembering correctly, that was also Kyler Murray. Uh, so Kyler Kyler saves the uh, the draft there if I have my years right. Uh, but yeah, Jones Haskins. I mean, look, Jones is. I don't know. Jones is a weird one because he has these drives that he puts together and you're like, that dude's awesome. Then he has the next three drives. You're like, is he like, what league should he be playing in? Cause it ain't this one. Um, he's just so inconsistent, but also I have no trust in the giants coaching staff. So I, is there another world where Daniel Jones is with Sean Payton and, and has a very different career? Maybe. Um, but I also, it seems to be that he just like, in a way, he's kind of like Heineke. He's got a lot better arm, but like he runs around. That's helpful. He has a couple drives a game. You move the ball, but he makes he's turn or has turnover issues that are just going to make him ultimately irredeemable as a as a winning playoff caliber quarterback. And well, I think TJ brings up like an interesting thought on quarterback. Who's the next Darnold? You know, you look at and today. There was even the rumor that Washington had engaged Buffalo about Mitch Trubisky. Um, again, a number two overall pick didn't deserve to be at all, but he was, he was, he deserved to be a first rounder based off where most scouts had him. But do you get a guy that's younger and super talented and just hasn't worked out because he's been with the wrong coaching staff, the wrong franchise? The problem with that for me is twofold. One, those guys, like there, there's not a ton of guys in NFL history that were mediocre to bad and got into a different coaching staff and turned out to be a true franchise quarterback. Those guys tend to pop pretty immediately. Like, sure, you have your Peyton Mannings who have really rough rookie years, but like Manning, even his rookie year, showed a ton of promise. He just set an all-time interceptions record. But like, you look at Kyler now. You look at Rodgers when he finally got in for Favre. You look at Brady... Uh, pretty immediately when he got in for Bledsoe. Like, you, you look at the guys who were true decade-plus type. Drew Brees was really good in San Diego and then got traded or signed in the offseason to New Orleans and was turned into Drew Brees. You know, Manning, obviously, as we talked about. But, but what you tend to get is, at best, that kind of guy is like Eli Manning level. Now, Eli won a couple Super Bowls because his defense was nuts, and he went on some of the all-time hot streaks that we've seen in the history of the NFL playoffs. But is that really the route you want to take, or do you want to try to get a true franchise quarterback? And I think you're probably better off just trying to find the true franchise guy 
and having the Ryan Fitzpat maybe it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick uh exactly but like the thought of what you were doing this year with like let's get a guy who's serviceable who we're not married to long term who we're not paying a ton of money we can put a good roster around and try to win with that and then if we can figure out how to get a good quarterback cuz here's the other thing Rodgers went 23 like a lot of these guys have gone one you get your Andrew Lux, your Peyton Mannings, your Kyler Murrays. Those guys did go one, but it's not unfeasible that you get the best quarterback in a draft in the twenties or the late, you know, the late single digits or in the teens. You know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. I think went eleventh. Jackson went in the twenties. So you just have to one be right as your scout or with your scouting report and two, put them in the right system. So in some ways it's easier in some ways it's harder because it's a giant crapshoot. And if everybody knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be Patrick Mahomes, he'd obviously would have gone one. All right, let's keep going with some of the calls. 800-636-1067. Andrew's in Port Royal. Andrew, thanks for listening. You are on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So I actually was a former Steelers fan, um, and then after a while I became more of my dad's team, uh, and then I became a, a Redskins fan. Um, and all I was going to say is I feel like we need to have more of a willingness to move on from people. And I say that because you look at Le'Veon Bell on the Steelers, and they said, all right, you're kind of downturning, see ya. Then they had Connor, and he was fantastic for a few years, and they moved on from it. Now they get Najee Harris. I don't see if there's anything wrong with, you know, like you said about Davis. He looks like he's got some fantastic sideline, sideline speed, and he's starting to blitz a little bit. But I don't see anything wrong with, hey, say in a year or two, he's not panning out. All right, move on. Move on to the next guy. What I hate to see is an unwillingness to move on and an unwillingness to coach. Like, you've got to have one or the other. If they're not going to move on, then coach them up and let them become great. If not, then it just bothers me. So that's all I had to say. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Um, I, I think, I mean, Belichick was the guy who's most famous for that, right? He was always moving on from a guys, maybe even a year early, like Richard Seymour had a couple of really good years in Oakland with the Raiders after the Patriots let him go, but he knew that he wasn't going to be worth it to the franchise to pay. And what happens so often is, is guys get to that second contract when you're still kind of unsure because you're like, oh no, we addressed the, uh, uh, we had the high draft pick and we, I guess we got to pay him. And, and I think more recently you've seen some, even at the quarterback position, franchise is not doing that. Tampa decided not to do that with Jameis Winston. You know, uh, same thing with Tennessee and Marcus Mariota. They just decided not to. By the way, Ryan Tannehill, good example of a guy who actually went somewhere else and it was good for him. But still, is he like franchise level? Is Tennessee unupgradable at quarterback? No, he's just a very good fit for what they do. So, and by the way, Tannehill was eighth overall. So take that for what it is. I, I, I think the only problem with that point is if you're doing that all the time, that means you're missing on a lot of draft picks. What you need to see is actual hits because talent wins games. The coaching in this league, it's more even than the talent of the players. It's not even. There are good coaches and bad coaches for sure. But I'd rather have a mediocre coach and great talent than mediocre talent and a great coach because 
It's a talented team is probably going to win. Uh, we'll get to more of your calls next. Greg in Baltimore, hang out, and everyone else who is on the line. We'll get to you right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Overtime continues with your phone calls before Damon Amendolara joins us at 8 here on 106.7 The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you for overtime on the fan. My good friend Damon Amendolar from CBS Sports Radio joins us at the top of the hour. But right now, more of your calls asking you at 800-636-1067. What is the one thing you would like to see moving forward this Washington football season to give you good feelings, good vibes going into the offseason and ultimately next season when hopefully the schedule will be a little easier and this team should be competing again. Who knows? Maybe your thing is like, I want to see them compete and make this thing interesting down the stretch. If so, okay. I'm with that too. Uh, let's go certainly make my Sunday morning pregame show a hell of a lot more interesting. Let's go to Craig in Baltimore. Greg, thanks for holding through the break and uh, for calling in. You're on the fan. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm I'm wondering how you feel the Ravens are going to do um, with um, Bell. I I think he's a good 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 running back. I just don't know if he can do it for us. Uh, I don't really care to be honest. That's we don't really do Baltimore Ravens sports stuff on this station. Uh, we have a great affiliate in Baltimore, 105.7 The Fan. Check them out on the Odyssey app. And uh, talk about him there. Uh, let's go to Romeo in D.C. Romeo, thanks for calling. You are on the fan. Hello. Hey, Romeo. Caught you unprepared. You ready? Here we go. We're on the radio. Okay. The first is on, it's two things that I could say about the Washington team. I've been a fan all my life. This I'm a first-time caller. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for calling in. Nobody with any brains in the Washington organization would do these two things. One, let the rookie running back start and get Cam Newton. We'll be in the playoffs. All right, Romeo. Thanks for the call. Sometimes you extend the caller segment one segment too many. Cam Newton... Couldn't beat out Mac Jones. He doesn't. I, it, I've I've had a Cam Newton jersey in my life. I grew up in the Carolinas. Cam ain't Cam ain't the solution. And uh, the only reason you start Jared Patterson is because Antonio Gibson is hurt. Which, by the way, is something that we should know. For all of the criticism that I think is warranted and all the questions that are worth asking and exploring, just because you ask questions, like sometimes, let's be real, you ask questions because you know the answers and they're not good. But sometimes I think it's worthwhile to ask questions and talk things out and, and have intellectually honest discussions about the direction of a football team or way more important topics. And you ask the question and by asking the question, you are willing to learn new things. You're willing to expose yourself to new ideas. You're willing to maybe change, ultimately change your position. I think something terrible that's happened with whether it's sports, politics, everyday types of 
things that we do, we have created a society where, I don't know how we got on this philosophical of a tangent, but here we are. We've created a society where it's more important to stick with your position than to be right. Like if I'm ultimately wrong about Taylor Heineke, and if this dude gets in three or four more starts and starts to figure some things out and turns into a franchise quarterback in the back half of his career, a la Kurt Warner or who, you know, the one or two other guys, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick to a point even. doesn't have to be Kurt Warner Hall of Fame, but like turns into an actual legitimate starter in this league, then, and I'm wrong about his ability to win games and he takes a team to the playoffs once, twice, three times, this team or another team, then like, that's fine. I'm not so married and interest to my position and interested in being right that I'm going to ignore the new information. But when we start asking questions about this team and start to actually dive into diagnosing the problems, if we don't acknowledge the injuries as a factor, we're not doing it right. And nobody likes to talk about it, in part because every team has injuries. And, okay, well, what makes this team special? But if we're going to talk about Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator, which everyone loves to fire the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator the minute something goes wrong, then we have to acknowledge that the, the offense that he spent the offseason creating isn't able to be run right now because instead of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas at full health, or at least three of the four of them, he he's dealing with a mix of Cam Sims, DeAndre Carter. And by the way, that doesn't even count De'Ami Brown, a rookie that they were definitely excited to have because of what he brought from a speed perspective. I didn't even mention Adam Humphreys. He's had a very up and down year. But instead of having all those guys healthy, but those four main targets of Gibson, Samuel, McLaren, Thomas, he's had one and a half of them. And instead of a, what is Fitzpatrick, 14, 15 year NFL veteran, he's got a guy that's got now eight starts, I think, under his belt. So we have to acknowledge that. They're in the running game, even just there. A guy in Gibson, he planned on giving 20 to 25 touches a game. He gives him 25 in week one. He looks great, but he gets hurt. And now he's having to manage his touches. So those are all factors that you have to consider in your evaluation of this team. But that doesn't mean that acknowledging them means you just dismiss them and go like, oh, well, I guess it's the injuries. Because injuries do happen in this league to everybody. And your adaptability and your ability to truly have next man up within reason does mark you one way or another as a coaching staff. Does mark you, certainly as a personnel department, can you find guys, and this is often in the draft, later rounds, who are capable of getting up to speed and playing that are not massive drop-offs? And as a coaching staff, have you organized your practices, your training camps, your off-season, everything to ensure that the players 
that aren't your number one options are up to speed. Because it's real easy to give every rep to your starters and be like, we got to get our starters ready. Well, when that dude goes down, who's the next guy? And do they know what in the world they're supposed to do? And you've seen it successful in some places on this roster and in others, there's some holes. And I know this is a process. I know that this process has not gone any direction or along any path that we imagined it. Especially after last year, it's like, oh well, maybe they're maybe this team's farther along than we thought. Maybe the previous administration, some good parts of the front office that were actually good in the personnel department, drafted well, left them some gems. And now here we are asking all those questions all over again. When we get back, a national look at the local team. Damon Mendelara from CBS Sports Radio joins us on the fan. 